Hello and welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music insight and opinion. Today is July 13th, 2020. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Connor and Steve. Yo. So today's kind of a monumental occasion. Today is the last episode of season two. Season two. This will be the last time that any of us get to hear that intro. We managed to finish uh, without in the quarantine process. Yeah. and (laughs) Big props to Murph. Yeah. (laughs) From Dinosaur Jr. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great to not get copyright emails from Warner Brothers anymore. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. They can honestly kiss my grits. <laughs> it's like honestly, like like fucking seven seconds of Pantera, like that like the the email that we get is it's like if you make any money off this video, Warner Brothers claims it all. It's crazy. They and it's just like it. really they for fucking millions. for seven seconds. We don't care about just trying to keep their foot on the little the man, mainstream. you know. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about a fucking 20-year-old song that isn't even the most well-known song in their fucking catalog. Yeah, now if it was Walk, I mean. Although, oh, yeah, that's honestly, a I'd argue it should have been. I I think Five Minutes Alone is a way better song. I think Five Minutes Alone. I think it's a better intro riff alone better than Walk. Could have killed it on radio. Absolutely. Like, 100%. If it, if it got the, the right promotion. Well, I mean, it was a single... And I don't, I don't know why it wasn't a bigger hit than Walk. As soon as I heard that song, well, I Walk was, like, was on Damn. what? Vulgar Display. Mm-hmm. Yep. Five Minutes Alone was on Far Beyond Driven. Yep. What else was on Far Beyond Driven? Becoming. Becoming. Uh, what? Strength Beyond Strength. I think it's called. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff on that album. That's probably Dime's best guitar work, to be honest with you. I don't know. Great Southern Trend Kill was pretty fucking yeah, good, Yeah, but too. I, I think, like, Dime was like, dude, just... Dude, the Flood solo alone? Yeah, but Dime was, like, a madman on Fuck It. That's Far true. <sighs> yeah. I I mean, Far Beyond's probably my second favorite Pantera it's album. Very good. But as far as it goes, fucking five minutes alone, they should be like, okay, no problem, Rage Against the Mainstream. Yeah, yeah. You, guys you can, can have that. that one. You guys can use it. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Like, you didn't dive in to, like, go through the power metal discography and find a very obscure song to possibly take credit for. We all know whose song this is. Well, they probably wouldn't give a fuck if we used one of those. They would find a reason to, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, if you're tuning in today, this special episode, final episode of season two, we will be back at some point. Yes. Some point, uh, probably September, something like that. We need Better. to take a vacation. <laughs> Better, faster, stronger. <laughs> so, um, in the past week, have you guys uh, encountered anything new or interesting? Um, so, <laughs> my stepmom watches The Talk. Oh, yeah. I get stuck. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Overhearing this. Sharon Osbourne's on it and various other characters. Uh, However, I got her mixed up with Sharon Stone. Yeah. The other day, Jack Osbourne was on there talking about the documentary that's coming out about Ozzy through A and E called "The Nine Lives of Ozzy Osbourne," uh, and was seriously stressing about this documentary. Like they're trying to dive into like really Ozzy instead of just his career, but like him as a person and trying uh, to like outreach more than what people mostly know about because obviously his family's involved in the project. Yeah. Um, the ironic thing is, I tried to look this up. There's no release date, just as 2020. But simultaneously, an article came out from Nikki Six saying that he's not he's doing not good. doing well. Like no disclosure, no comments from the family, but enough to say that it made it on like at least tone deaf to say something's going on with Ozzy. 
super concerning. And for Nikki Six to say it. Yeah. You know, not going to say he's a credible source. For yeah, but he's of, not like a relevance chaser. Like, he yeah. doesn't look for opportunities well, to put if himself. If he's actually Six is saying you're not doing good, it's probably not Probably not. Sign. Like, the only thing you could have worse is Keith Richards being yeah. like, yo, this bloke ain't doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> he should really watch out for himself. It's like a homeless dude telling you straight yeah. up, like, you need to get a job, bro. Like, damn. Like, that's when you have, like, a real existential crisis over some shit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, with this uh, diagnosis of Parkinson's exactly, and shit, yeah. I mean, it is Oh, Ozzy has Parkinson's? Yeah. Yeah, that came out right after they started canceling the tours, right? Yeah. Yep. The Literally, no more tours. No tour? more tours, too. Tours, Did too, he ever yeah, hit it. Philly again after that? No, he, mm-hmm. they were had they everything were supposed scheduled. They were to go to Hershey. Yeah. Damn. I was thinking about going to that one. That's what's crazy. It. That's why when we talked about- Is he done, or- for now, well, I mean, well everybody's kind of done for now. Yeah, but that's what what saying. He well, saying? he sustained. That's there's no comments. Yeah, there's nothing. We're like all Ozzy. But we talked about that. Remember, like when do you think it's going to be a last opportunity to see think, some of these people? Honestly, I, mean, I think when we saw him, it was the last opportunity to see him. Honest to God, yeah. I mean, it sucks, but kind of is what it is. Keep you in our wishes. <laughs> Get well, Mister Osborne, indeed. Mr. Prince we, of Darkness. We yeah. salute you. You can play as many <laughs> no tours tours as you want. And I'll go see them every time. Every time. As long as Zach Wilde's playing guitar. Did we mention the Eternal Idol last episode? <laughs> no. One, uh, that doesn't have Ozzy on it, but it was a Black Sabbath Oh, yeah, the album. Yeah. Recently. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the singer's name. Yeah. But he was John good. Doe. Something Martin, I think. Or Tony Martin. Tony Martin. Sounds yeah. like a Vegas, like cigar bar like singer it was a decent out i really like the guitar tone on it in the later black sabbath stuff tony's tone it was like fucking it's incredible like, it's like yeah. thick it's almost like it's got like a light acoustic behind well what's it. interesting yeah. is no matter how different black sabbath got that was the one thing that did remain consistent was iomi's yes. guitar playing was always like still there well That's i feel like it, it got better yeah well, exactly. They like, talked about after Volume Four because they were all fucked up on coke. They had a real struggle writing Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and he wound uh, up writing like some of his best work. That Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath riff, which is obviously one of the most iconic Black Sabbath songs, yeah, that happened in the midst of Iommi like just like not wanting to fucking play music, and then that just came to him and no shit became obviously that's crazy. Iconic. Yep. Hmm. Um, my new interesting for this week is uh. Recently, Jerry Cantrell signed with Gibson Guitars. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with the GNL shit that he was doing, but he Gibson. Gibson? Yeah, signed with Gibson, dude. Like, he's, like, on their that, website and shit now. That's a big change. Huge change. He's been playing GNL since the 80s. Mm-hmm. Is he still playing the Ernie Ball Super Slinkies? Probably not. He no. probably played them for, like, two months in, like, 1998, and Ernie <laughs> Ball was like, Jerry Cantrell played Ernie Ball Super Slinkies. We're putting him right? on the label. We're putting on the strings for, like, 30 years. He's going know? on the back of the packaging. Exactly. <laughs> nah, I mean, I think he uses, like, the Paradigm strings, I think they are. Like, he, he uses the not Super Slinkies, like, the adult ones. Bro, oh, okay. if you can get the strings at BestBuy.com for, like, three ninety seven, dollars Probably not a good sign. They're probably not that great CVS brand strings. Yeah. <laughs> the no. Mountain, the Mountain Shouting. <laughs> but, um, since he signed with Gibson, they did this, they're doing this uh, series called, like, Icons. And, like, Bob Rock was on one. Um, Tony Iommi was on one. And there was a couple more people, but then they did uh, an icon for Jerry Cantrell. 
And it was basically like a behind the music for Jerry Cantrell, but he was telling you the story. And he went into detail, like with Lane and shit, and like the high points of Alice in Chains, the low points, his relationships with like various musicians. He went into detail about Dimebag Daryl and Eddie Van Halen. Does like, he have like, I'm um, sorry, does he have a uh, signature like amp or anything? With Friedman. Okay. It's called the Double J. That fucker's like $4,000 for a head. Just a head. Just the head is four grand. But it sounds ridiculous. Like, yeah, you could be anybody and sound like Alice in Chains. I can probably get, like, the fucking original fucking Marshall head from, like, 1966 or some shit from, <laughs> what was his name, Jim Gibson or whatever. <laughs> fucking for, like, five grand. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, the icon thing, dude, it was really cool. And I hope this is kind of, like, the beginning of them doing more things. Like, the fucking Alice in Chains documentary that I wish they would do or the biopic that I wish that they would do. Yeah, Lane Staley is kind of like not... His uh, opinion doesn't matter anymore. He's not put forward by anything. Like, no big... Nothing big. Like, Rolling Stone doesn't, like, suck his dick. Like, no. Spin doesn't. NME doesn't. Nobody does. Which is strange, too. I mean, because I kind of put Lane Staley on that pedestal of, like, Chris Cornell and shit. Well, I mean, he's like, like I really absolutely. do. He's got a good Absolutely. voice. Like he's got an I insane mean, voice. Like, yeah, the the chorus on "Man in the Box" even is just hard. Dude, love, hate, not love. everybody can hit yeah. that. Dude, yeah. fucking any, name any song of those first the four entire albums. Jar of Flies album is dude, just... and the just the abilities of him. Like I've I've watched something. I forget what it was. But like Mike McCready and like Stone Gossard were talking about Lane Staley, and they're like. That fucking guy didn't even need a PA. Like, when he Mm -hmm. sang, it, like, radiated out of him. Yeah. And, like, for those guys to be saying that kind of shit, there were boys with Chris Cornell and fucking Eddie Vedder, who are two of the most prominent fucking grunge Mm -hmm. vocalists. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. most well acclaimed. Mm -hmm. That's got to mean something at the end of the day. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, it's called, uh, it's on Gibson TV on YouTube, Icons, Jerry Cantrell. Check it out. What do you got, Connor? I got Animal Collective's new EP, Bridge to Quiet. Um, I'm going to go with the first track, Raining Cups, for my recommended uh, song. It's nice. been a while since Animal Collective dropped anything, I think since 2012 or something like that. Wait, was... Uh, Centipede Hurts, I think, was the last one. They had something one. after, uh, what is it? Merryweather Mary- Post yeah. Pavilion, yeah, that was Centipede That's the last Hertz. one I listened to, and I actually really enjoy that. So, I oh, yeah, Merryweather yeah. was great. I, I still, I feel like the music industry still hasn't caught up to Merryweather Post Pavilion, which is interesting because they kind of were like the last of that like lo-fi type alternative to become into what you saw with like, I guess you could say like the Lumineers and of Monsters and Men. How quickly they got perverted into like Black Key stuff. Like, ooh. Well, to me, that, like, it's because that was what was cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, follow, I follow like the hard times where they post all those like funny articles about shit. And it was a picture oh, yeah. of the Black Keys, and like it said, Black Keys naming their song Ford Commercial to cut out the middleman. <laughs> I fucking hate <laughs> the fucking Black Keys. Hate, I can't, I can't, I can't fuck with the White Stripes that that well anymore yeah. either. Like Jack White just pisses me the fuck off. Yeah, like, he pissed me off ever since we watched him like it loud. I oh was looking God, at fucking. Dude. Pressings of Stoner Witch by the Melvins on fucking Discogs. And so they've only done the original pressing from the 90s, pressings from the 90s. And then um, Third Man did 
a repress a couple years ago. Yeah. Right. And I was like, oh, cool. Like third man records did a repressing of Stoner Witch. I can get that and probably save some money. And it's probably a decent pressing. I looked up who pressed it and it's by United Record Pressing, which is like the most notoriously bad record (laughs) pressing plant in the world, probably. And I was like, wow, Jack White will just fucking throw his name on anyway, fucking dude, anything, anything to fucking make a buck, I guess. What a cunt. He's the Kmar Bono. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really, that's not a bad... Uh, I'm sure that Kmart always had the White Stripes stock. Of course, dude. Back in the day. Especially after Seven Nation Army. Every kid in the fucking world. Lights here at Kmart. I wonder how many people bought that White Stripes album just to listen to that song and like didn't listen to anything else. I like the White Stripes, dude. Because stuff like that, that's a real indicator, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, of how, where he puts his, like, where his actions are. Like, he fucking acts like he wants to bring a fucking Melvin's album back to life, and then he just fucking sells you an overpriced fucking CD rip of it. Like you said, man. That documentary we watched. Yeah, Jack White's I hated it, Mike, it loud. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Maybe that's what we should do for season three is just bash on Jack White like every chance we get. While we get rid of yeah, DJ. Get rid of Dave Roll. <laughs> get rid of Push Dave Roll. Every season we find a guy that we're able to use as the analogy for a total fucking douchebag. Yeah. Dave Grohl doesn't really well, here's the thing about it. Dave Grohl actually has a lot of more respectable qualities than Jack White. That's the thing. It's yeah. hard to oh, find yeah. more things about Jack White to say positively than it is Dave Grohl. Eh, although well, I haven't looked into any uh, quality control on Foo Fighters pressings. I wouldn't be surprised if Dave Grohl's right there in the well, same camp with Jack the same White. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, like, it's funny you think about it. Like The first season, it was Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second season has been Dave Grohl. Yeah. Third season, it's got to be Jack White, one hundred percent. I mean, Jack White is pretty fucking annoying, yeah. and he tries yeah. to insert himself like Dave Grohl does, just with less success. He's he like the Kmart. He's the mountain shouting Dave Grohl. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I think Dave Grohl would be the Kmart Bono. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then. Jack White nah. is the Aldi mountain shouting of Dave Grohl. That's the trickle down <laughs> effect, dude. No, nah, I think you had it right with Jack White being the Kmart Bono. Straight to Bono? Or maybe like the Kmart Iggy Pop or something. That's possible. Maybe like a Dollar General. I think Bono is just Pop. at the head of all that fucking pompous. Dave Grohl's Kmart Tom Petty. Ooh. Yeah, but I'm not even going by music. I'm going by just shit that they do. That's what I'm saying. Like a yeah, shitty yeah. Straight up. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just trying to put my name on everything. I mean, there's shit I like by Foo Fighters. Like, I still um, never forgive you two for that fucking Apple catastrophe oh, wow. of 20 fucking 13. Songs Horrible. of Innocence. That's uh, there's nothing innocent about it. Nothing. Have to bring it up. <laughs> oh, I saw a fucking ad where from the 80s where it was like, it was like buy a Memorex tape deck, um, get a get the free U two album on cassette. What? I was like, wow, they've been at this for a whole minute. Like, they're not new to this game. Of was fucking like, what was it, it? Joshua Tree or something? I think it was Joshua Tree. That's funny. Not to totally ride on the hard times with it. Like, there was another thing about that with Bono, where it says Bono teams up with Elon Musk to complete the uh, first self praising Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> it's like obviously they make those photoshop pictures of the two of them standing next to the desk like holding thumbs that's up. funny i can't stand bono yeah dude he's like jerk off he's like at courtney love level to me it's oh, yeah. like a total fucking joke that south park bad. episode nailed it. <laughs> it's pretty bad that south that south park episode nailed it 
Or is Which the big, one? He was the biggest piece of shit. Oh, yeah. It's like Chad Kroger, Courtney Love, and Bono to Damn. me. They're yeah. like right at the bottom of oh, the barrel. Yeah. Okay, so Bono's the lowest. Because mm. I was going to say, I think Bono's more of a piece of shit than mm. Chad, nah, Chad ba- Kroger. Uh, and Courtney Love is a way bigger piece of shit if, than Chad Kroger. If we're going by music, Bono's at the top. But yeah. um, if we're going by people, Courtney Love's probably at the top of biggest shitheads, shit people. Um, <laughs> whatchamacallit. Then um, Bono or Courtney... Or, they're all shitheads. What do you think? Get us on our social media. <laughs> this is the biggest, biggest shithead in music. Scott Stapp. If you want to hear us yeah, rant Scott about an Stapp. asshole He's in the music industry. Yeah. We um, should just do an episode on people that we just don't like. Yeah. yeah. People would listen to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking idiots by Rage Against the Mainstream podcast. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that like during our break. Like We'll just put in just one episode. Just like rant. Like that's what'll just be titled like rant. We'll come up with like a fucking tree, like almost a family tree of hated individuals of who leads the fucking jerk off tree. Fred we'll Durst. call it like yeah, we'll call it jerk off tree instead of Joshua tree. Oh my god, it's such a good idea. <laughs> the jerk off tree. Job ja rules a jerk off. But there's a couple job ja rules. Well he songs. would be at the bottom of the branches there. Yeah, he'd, he'd be in that yeah. tree. Yeah, as far as like Like Bill like Billy Corgan might make shit. it on there, of course. Yeah, Billy Corgan's a weird yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Siamese Dream. Ooh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to this at some point. This, this is Siamese down the road. Dream is the only redeeming quality for me. Stay tuned for season three point. where we open up with a jerk off tree. <laughs> uh, season three, jerk off tree. On this day in music history. On this day, July 13th, 1985, the Live Aid concerts take place in Philadelphia and London to raise money uh, for the hungry in Africa. The Beach Boys, The Four Tops, Paul McCartney, Tina Turner, Elton John, David Bowie, The Who, Queen, Eric Clapton, and Bob Dylan all take. David Bowie can eat all the dog shit in Philadelphia. I'm as guessing far he's going to make concerned. a jerk off tree. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it always kind of like baffled me that like Van Halen was never a part of Live Aid because they were well, huge at this point. I was going to say, too. I, I can imagine David Lee Roth being like, This isn't going to be shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the thing about it is, See, he just wants to play for free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder though if like they were really trying to commit because if you look at the bands and the artists that played, they kind of kept it to like a melt. Like the hardest band on there is probably the Who. Yeah, I mean if you think about that set list alone, I mean the Who is probably like the most yeah. hard rock band that's on that. That's act. true, Elton but it's John which is John weird is because yeah, but um, I'm pretty sure fucking Dire Straits was a part of Live they were, too. And you know what's funny? They. That's. I think that's when they started changing the lyrics to um, "Money for Nothing." Money for nothing. Yeah. The, you know the part I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna say it. Yeah. Exactly. Queen was playing. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, because even like if you think of the Woodstocks of the '90s, like just the mashup of artists, they could have very easily fit Van Halen on that bill. They could have anybody. Like yeah. I think Bon Jovi was around at this point in time. Yeah. Maybe they weren't as big. But Van Halen at that point, you could have totally got them on it. With Dude, we're talking purposes. July 85. I'm pretty sure David Lee Roth left in like September of 85 or something. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe there's just turmoil within the band and maybe they were approached. I don't know. That's yeah. something I would like to ask somebody at some point. Like, why was Van Halen not a part of Live Aid? Talking Heads, too. Yeah. Talking Heads. Would they were, they were at their commercial that. peak yeah. in, in 85. Yeah. Michael weird, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. Could you imagine how much money? Um, we are the world was a 
like 86 or 87 i feel like yeah i think so it's like in between thriller and bad i think let me see so maybe actually maybe 85 or 86 we are the world he probably was like these 1985 released march released march 7th of 1985 we also have the thing too i wonder I wonder because like charity events, they're also consistent on how they're going to pay these artists because a lot of it's all like free for all. Yeah, that's like, the true. whole the whole Did thing with Queen paid? was. Well, that's the thing. I don't know disclosure. You probably amount. don't. I'm sure, they don't. They might get something from their record company that like gets shelled out for them to promote exposure. But like even the thing with Queen was Queen almost didn't play. I remember they got fit into the bill and only had that 20 minute set just to squeeze them in there. They didn't even have a full Weren't set. Weren't they like broken up or something? Freddie Mercury was kind of like on the outs. I think this is right when he found out he had AIDS. And mm. I mean, yeah. like based on the movie from what I read too, like that's kind of the story behind it. They were on like a, almost a hiatus um, and he was getting sick. And then like, you know, last minute he said, I'm going to do it. And they hadn't practiced in months. So they were like super concerned because they oh, went shit. right on the stage. They hadn't practiced in months. They didn't practice before the show. They just went on stage. Sometimes that's the best shit. Cause you're just crazy. Dude, fresh. That's, that's yeah. probably and honestly all I'm feeling. Exactly. Like, though it's compact. That's probably one of the best live sets. Oh yeah. I've ever seen. 100%. You always, you always find that video of that's like the cliche. Live yeah, you yeah. type in live aid. Um, it's queen that yeah. comes up yep. first. Yeah. Or if, even if you just type in Queen Live, yeah. first one. Live Aid's first thing yeah. to show up. But that was like the confusing thing if you didn't know the story because like the whole set's 20 minutes and people were kind of like... And they played Bohemian Rhapsody they too, so that fucker's to, like yeah, 10 they, minutes long. They, but they didn't finish it. They played like a shortened version of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, they probably like, didn't do the whole the ending. Yeah. They played We Will Rock You. And we they played the Hammerfall, right? which was fucking awesome. That's one yeah. of my favorite Queen songs. Fucking love Hammerfall. I'm a big fan of uh, Hammerhead by The Offspring. Quality. No, I'm just kidding. Which okay. one's Hammerhead? It's the first single <laughs> off Rise and Fall, Raging Grease. I'm trying to remember. That's not that dance, fucker, dance. No, no, no that's, that's not that uh, song, right? That's that's remember, song. You're Gonna Go Far, Kid? Yeah. It was the single before that on that same yeah, album. Okay. Yeah. That song. <laughs> I can't even remember how Austin it got so fucking corny, dude. I'm sorry. Oh, dude, they, yeah, were, yeah. they were the fucking <laughs> Kmart Green Day. Yeah, yeah I dude. can't even fuck with the old Offspring anymore. Not, yeah, because like, you know what's coming later. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like it's almost like Dookie. Situation. Like Dookie's ruined for yeah. me because if I think of American Idiot, it almost totally. It's almost. I've like recently that. gotten back into Green Day. Really? Yeah, Can't Dookie, do Dookie, Insomniac, and Nimrod. I fuck with. They're fucking fire. Listening right. to The Offspring is like rewatching The Office again. Like you know when Michael Scott leaves in like season seven, you know what's gonna you're, happen. You're like yeah. fuck, it takes away from it. Exactly. <laughs> Are you sure you want to keep going, or you just want to start from the beginning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of want to be like, self esteem's okay, but eh, not even. <laughs> so yeah, the kids are all right, are all kids right. Are all right. It's not bad. I never liked that one. Um, why don't you get a job? Not See, now that, that that that's where it like stops for me. Um, really? Yeah. Gotta get away. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, gotta get away. Yeah. It, Offspring kind of got. I, they're they're one of those bands. That got I listened played to out. Insomniac by Green Day last night. There's some good shit on there. God know what I want. Like I don't know. It's just cool. Like, but anyway, also in 1985, we had Tears for Fears bow out of performing at Live Aid. Bob Geldof of uh, Boomtown Rats fame star-studded charity concert for famine relief in Africa after two members of their band quit. The group donates concert funds to the cause, but feels the weight of Geldof's disapproval. 
TFF's Roland Orzabal says he made us feel very guilty. All those millions of people dying. It was all our fault. I felt terrible, I tell you. I know how Hitler must have felt. Hitler didn't care. Yeah, I don't know. I Actually, like Hitler was happy. A little bit of an overreaction from uh, my least... Uh, I prefer... I'm a more of a Kurt Smith dude from Tears. Roland <laughs> never really got me. That is such a horrible analogy. Yeah. Because like yeah. Hitler's whole plan was like, we're not even going to fight a war anymore. We're going to murder people. Yeah, we're just, we're just we're taking, taking everything we can people. take. Yeah. Well, my troops are Anybody dying in Stalingrad. We can't use the trains to send out fucking resources. We got to get these fucking people over to the camps. Exactly. That's like, it's totally opposite there. Bud. That's a fucking weird thing to say. It is a weird yeah. thing to say. Especially from a band of the level of success of Tears for Fears. And in the wake of Live Aid. Like, are you kidding? You don't have to be that dramatic, like, dude. Totally something like context. that, I could understand if it was like Queen and they were booked. Yeah. And then they fucking cancel last minute. Yeah. Then I can understand something crazy. Maybe not to that extent, but that's just wild. It was always crazy to me that Tears for Fears could never muster another hit after songs from the big chair. Mm. That album's fucking crazy. Head over heels, everybody runs to rule the world, shout, like... 1992, Jet Williams, illegitimate daughter of country legend Hank Williams, is granted partial royalties of his songs by a New York appeals court, adding to a ruling reached on July 5th that she should receive half of his estate. Uh, I don't know law well enough, but I don't know what kind of precedence they would have used with an illegitimate daughter. I mean... I mean, really, still a he kid. Had, yeah, but he had no other, I'm guessing no other family in the sake of kids. I guess not. That was his only daughter. I'm, I'm assuming so. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know the Hank Williams tale too well. Yeah, neither do I. But it's just, it's strange though. Well, no, Hank Williams Jr. He had other kids. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying he did it. I'm just saying because saying based on like a child perspective, yeah. like half of his estate like that's a lot of fucking shit fuck yeah like, we're talking equity we're talking liquidation mm-hmm. of anything he owns property value i mean that's like half- stephen jenkins of third that's like a divorce i mean yeah. that's that's crazy amount well yeah but i mean partial royalties of his songs like that that's a pretty yeah add that too. into it yeah that's i mean well yeah good stuff for jet williams I was speaking of country real quick. Did you guys, you guys saw that Charlie Daniels died? Died, right? yeah. yeah. He's yep. eighty six. He died of a fucking stroke. Yeah, caused from a hemorrhage. Devil came up to Georgia. Damn shame. Yep. Anyway, nineteen ninety six at Riverfront Park in Nashville, Chet Atkins, Steve Earle, and the Goo Goo Dolls mm. joined about one thousand other guitars to jam on Heartbreak Hotel for nearly eighty minutes. God damn. Yeah. They come up short. I think short. that song's only like two minutes long. Yeah, yeah. They come up short in their bid to break the record to uh, for the largest jam session set in 94 uh, when 1,320 guitars played Taking Care of Business damn. in Vancouver. Holy fucking fuck. Heartbreak dude. Hotel couldn't muster more than fucking Taking Care of Business. God damn, dude. <laughs> Imagine 1,320 guitars playing that song. That's been way topped since then. Oh yeah, That's I think I think there was like two thousand people playing yeah. "Smells Like Teen Spirit" like a year ago. Yeah. yeah, like I see videos all the time now on Facebook where there's just mad motherfuckers playing random songs. That's it's just like the new thing, really. Yeah. Huh. 
speaking of smells like teen spirit, I'm more of a fan of Nirvana's last album, Studio Length, being in utero. Same. Which brings us to our next topic. (laughs) Now, since (laughs) this is the last episode of season two, it's obviously not the last episode of the show, period, because we have way too much good quality um, topics and whatever to give to you guys. Since it's the final episode, we figured a pretty decent topic that you guys might want to hear about is the greatest final albums. Now, here's something. And here's a question, because it's going to determine what I use. So, for final albums, do we mean, like, if a band were to get another singer, the final album So, for certain the band, artists, the I was going to say, certain artists, you could say, because if they had, like, I know where you're going, with Van Halen. Yeah, purposes. you know exactly uh, where I'm going. Yeah, you can <laughs> say, like, was in it the Alice and Chains, too? Alice in Chains. And yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, The Misfits. Like, the last one of Danzig. Being yeah, there, yeah I think Break It Up. Yeah. 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 I, I put it this way. If you put out an album, you got to justify the reasoning of why you're saying it. Like, kind of explain the situation. Like, oh, like the Misfits last one or they do be, but like the reason why, you know, those dancers last album, you know, et cetera. Well, my first is going to be Famous Monsters. Now, the reason I'm picking Famous Monsters is because if any of you out there haven't heard it before, you're you're missing out big time. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. Famous Monsters was, I mean, obviously Steve's going to disagree with it, but I feel like this was like the pinnacle of their songwriting capabilities and just the fact of the lyrical content, the way that it was produced, everything about it, Famous Monsters kicked some serious fucking ass. And I feel like it was a high note for Michael Graves to leave. Not you know, um, on his way out. The American Psycho. Well, I liked American Psycho. But Famous Monsters, like, I've had way more seat time with that. Like, I've listened yeah. to Famous Monsters front to back, like, at least a million times by now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's not discrediting anything else they've ever done. But I just think as far as, uh, like, a list of final albums go, Famous Monsters has to be on that list. I throw King Animal into the mix as well. Fuck yeah. King Animal. Like, I actually didn't really get into it until he died, and it was, like, five years old at that point. But then... I picked it up because I figured uh, I saw it somewhere and um, I figured someone else would buy it pretty soon in the wake of his death. So I got it finally and I listened to it and I was like, holy shit, this album's really fucking good, actually. And I was like, really like, damn, like I could have been enjoying this like while Chris was still around, but I was like not into it. And I kind of like missed the boat on King Animal a little bit. Yeah, it's funny with that because... I've been away for too long, kind of got me into that because it turned Sons me of An- off. Well, this is what happened. Sons of Anarchy, I was watching at the time because they were releasing new episodes. I think the last season they had like, their cliche chase scene where they used that song. Yeah. And I heard his voice and I knew who the fuck it was, but I had never heard the song. So, thus in turn, I had to I Google the lyric pretty much. Yeah. Because that's what I heard. And then it came up as King Animal as like an upcoming album by Soundgarden. I'm like, oh, okay, that's pretty fucking cool. It's just awesome. Yeah. That album's so fucking it is, good. It is good, and it adds to their discography. I think that's, like, a big thing with Soundgarden is, yep. like, they were one of those, like, long, substantial... Like, Pearl Jam is different because there's a lot of fucking down notes in Pearl Jam's discography oh, yeah. compared to what Soundgarden accomplished. Gigaton. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. The Lightning more I listen bolt. to that, I mean, it's... yeah. It's been a down note for, like, 
eight years at this point. Yeah, dude. In Pearl Jam land. Um, I'm going to go out there and say <laughs> uh, Renegades. I'm going to call yeah. it the last album released by Rage at this point in time. Zach De La Roca didn't want that to come out. I know he didn't. But though it's a cover album, that's what I'm saying. Like, in that case, would you say Battle for Los Angeles? I would consider Battle of Los Angeles the last, last album because yeah, that's cause, like and Zach honestly, De La Roca approved of it. Yeah. Like, uh, Renegades was, I think, posthumous, basically. Yeah, or like it was released after, the after they had broke up before, but before they announced it. And I look at Renegades more as like an incestuous. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, but see, like Battle for Los Angeles, ironically, because it's a three album discography between them, and we're obviously going to bring up In Utero at some point, so I'll kind of merge into this. Mm-hmm. That discography is like in the same realm as. Honestly, I'm going to go on a limb and say the self title by Rage is better than Bleed. In the sake of a three album discography, yeah. right? Okay, but yeah. I will say that those bands, those are kind of simultaneously insane that all three of them are interchangeable. Like you'll find something different, something yeah. quality wise, something, you know, musicianship wise, writing ability that are all different that are, they're probably the only two bands I can think of three albums, perfect discography. And their last album is almost as good, if not better than the rest of them. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I can agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, Battle of Los Angeles is oh, or underrated in co- yeah. comparison to the first album. Yeah, there's not many bands you can. So sit is there Evil and Empire. Say, yeah, the first oh, yeah. album kind of. That's what I'm saying. All, all those albums, like what four point seven to five point type albums, mm-hmm. like in that realm. You know what I mean? Like 100%. hard to find something wrong with them. The first one I'd probably give like nine point five. Um, the yeah. second one I'd probably give like uh, ten fuck with evil empire and then the third one i'd probably give like 9.5 yeah, yeah. so right there it's same like, thing with yeah. like mm-hmm. see this is the thing like i agree with that i think bleach what when we talk talking? about nirvana just pales in comparison to let's say in utero where the self-titled gap like, exactly like you said like yeah. 9.5 yes. for rage 9.5 for battle for los angeles so it's like they got they were great they got a little better and then they slowed down a little bit bleach was like here we are we're gonna take it to the fucking absolute commercial be- like beast and then in utero comes out like game changer yeah you know it was like a totally different transition and what they were able to accomplish but those That's true those final and utero is probably my favorite album of all time so it's obviously my favorite last album of all time yeah. as well <laughs> yeah um uh my next one is going to be uh in through the outdoor okay oh yeah i like yeah. in through the outdoor you know it's a good funny. fucking zeppelin album that, dude. that was like a beat really that was is. like pretty much why led zeppelin broke up was because robert plant and jimmy page well and john bonham's death obviously but um there was already storms brewing in the led zeppelin camp because of in through the outdoor robert plant wanted to do more like um, he wanted to take their career to like a new stage where they weren't like the hard rock band anymore. Oh, and it's evident on that album, one yeah, hundred percent. More like you listen, reserved. like the in, like the instrumentals, like on all of my love, yeah, and th- full in the rain. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. like it's it's Zeppelin, but it's not Zeppelin. It's not Led Zeppelin too. Exactly, yeah, not even close. Yeah. But even Presence, man. Like yeah, presence, presence was, was good like too. And it's, to it's, yeah, that's why I was like when they went through to in through the outdoor. It is kind of like almost like a sad farewell album because it's still there's like something there, it's but it's like he song. just didn't yeah, get that's through kind of all what they that. Intended, yeah. I feel like. Well, it's yeah. the same thing with like you said with um, like King Animal. Like it's good, but then if you put it on a comparison to like Super Unknown, like yep. you know something was coming around that exactly like they could have just gotten better. 
You know, they could have probably released another album. I mean, because there's other bands out there that just keep fucking oh, releasing yeah. music. Soundgarden would have done another album. Exactly. If Chris Cornell hadn't died. But that's it's the like thing, like King Dante. Animal was an ending album to give you hope. Because there's another band in particular, and I don't want to mention their name because I don't want to go back to season one shit, that keeps releasing album after <laughs> album, doesn't know when to fucking stop, and it's there's getting progressively like worse that. every single time. Well, they get more, they get interesting. They don't want to stop touring. And new. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, also back to what, season one? Season one. Yeah. Wow. However... Going into a genre change here, kind of like a stepping stone, probably and next to in utero, but in a different genre realm, probably one of the best final albums of all time is The Sound of Perseverance. Oh, Chuck Schultz, yeah, Death. because that's another band, and you obviously have to like the genre enough to appreciate the music in general to be able to get that far. Yep, but. They're kind of like that bridge to any fan of like extreme metal of any sort. You're going to like death. And they had a yep. flawless discography. And just from, you know, spiritual healing to the transition and attack death with human and individual thought to symbolic and then sound of perseverance. Yeah. I mean, every song. Yeah. But would you consider symbolic to be their final album? No, because, because sound of perseverance is supposed to be a control. No, because album? this is the thing. I deny the fact that they used a lot of control denied stuff, because if you think of just how it compares to symbolic, you're hearing similarities in progression. Yeah. Like it wasn't so different because even Control Denied sounds a lot like Sound of Perseverance, obviously oh, yeah. with the clean vocals. Yep. But then again, that's his writing, you know, musicianship. And there's not a lot of like similarities other than tone and length and style. Yeah, exactly. And, songs. and honestly, Voice of the Soul is really what the game changer is. You think fucking Chuck's going to go and spend his time writing a six minute instrumental like that? doing all guitars if he's just trying to piece out an album real quick for exactly. record deal contracts like then again man he he didn't really do that kind of shit like yeah. he didn't just throw stuff together yeah. there's a reason why they've had fucking over 100 yeah, members exactly because if you weren't fucking about <laughs> it the way he was you were gone dude yeah exactly <laughs> and you know not for nothing i feel like if if he were to you know have continued and not have died yeah he would have went further into like the progressive metal. I think like, so too. Fucking like crazy shit. Yeah, progressive. I like John Petrucci type dream theater. Exactly. Because Control Denied had he had that. the chops, dude. Yeah. He was he was good enough to do that. He shit. just wanted to get off of vocals. He wanted to just really focus on the yep. you know musicianship behind the instrumentals. Um, but also in kind of the same realm, reinventing the steel. Ooh, Pantera's fine. Reinventing the steel. See, now here's the thing about this album. I think this is where we talk about a band that put the bar so high that they could only go down. But That's Reinventing the Steel is kind of like a loose bow, I guess. It's not as bad as like Led Zeppelin finishing within Through the Outdoor, but yeah, put Reinventing the Steel next to fucking Far Beyond Driven, Vulgar Display, Cowboys, exactly. Renault, you know. Great Southern Trend Kill. I mean, every single ever album in their discography that's obviously the weak link. Yeah. But it's still like an honest effort where oh, it yeah. kind of like did tie. I mean, up you could tell. I mean, he, obviously, we know the Pantera history. Yeah. But you could tell that there was definitely something going on within that band. And that's why that album wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah. You know, due to Phil recording the fucking vocals in Louisiana while the rest of the band's in Texas. And yeah. You know, you, you kind of need to have that in there, like that whole like group thing in order to make it work. Yeah. But staying kind of heavy, I want to throw out this one. I know all of us can agree on this. Astro Creep 2000. Fuck yeah. White Zombie. Mm-hmm. Damn right. right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a high point for them, I think. 
Um, I was going to bring up, what do you guys think is Tupac's last album? All Eyes on Me or Machiavelli? Well, isn't Machiavelli posthumous? It was released posthumously, yeah, but it's the only it's posthumous all... Tupac album that was recorded entirely. So... Like, that was the album Tupac was going to put out. Okay. So, but all there the was, but there's nothing. There were like. But do you know, was the album done. complete prior? Yeah. There wasn't anything done to it afterwards? Pretty sure. And we'll say Machiavelli. I can say. Right. Yeah. I, like and I know you're gonna say, but, but not compared to not compared. Yeah, to no way. Me. Honestly, I think "Me Against the World" was his peak. Um, I'm partial to. Uh, I wrote this song a long time ago. <laughs> ah, fucking Dave Chappelle. Um, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> wrote this song a long time ago. A real long time. Yeah, ago. one we're missing Family. too. When we're talking about artists that died and continue to release music afterwards, L.A. Woman. By the Doors. Yeah. Yeah. LA Woman's a Because that's a solid. Like, I think that's another band. I think that's why I put Doors so high. And I know you like a cheeseburger no, alternative no, well, in the circumstance. I can understand. Yeah. And I totally get. You just get the, the Doors aren't my bad. Yeah, I get that. And here's yeah. the thing. Like, Jim Morrison's career, like, even Soft Parade, I had a very tough time getting into. I think it was because of Touch Me was so fucking corny mm. compared to, like, the shit on, like, Waiting for the Sun and Strange Days and... Um, but LA yeah. woman, they got a lot of fucking heat for that sounding like it was like, I forget how they put it. Like it was elevator cigar bar, like mm, boring yeah, jazzy music. Like yeah. That. But dude, yep. that is a great album. Very good album. Like been down so long, obviously LA woman riders on the storm. I mean, yep. there's so many fucking hits on that. It's guy probably my song. fourth favorite doors album though. It is. I honestly, mine goes strange days, self-titled waiting for the sun, LA woman, soft parade. Actually, no, yeah, scratch that. Morrison Before Hotel. Soft Parade is Morrison Hotel, yeah. Yeah. So after um, Waiting for the Sun is Morrison. I would go uh, self-titled, Strange Days, Morrison Hotel, LA Woman. Waiting for the Sun? Waiting for the Sun's after. Really? Mm-hmm. It's got like five to one on it, Unknown Soldier, Spanish Caravan. I like Morrison Hotel and LA Woman. Peace Frog's pretty dope. Fucking Riders on the Storm, bro. Yeah, yeah Riders on the Storm. I, I prefer the Snoop Dogg remix. Yeah, I never heard Who's on Need for Speed Underground too? Damn. Oh, guy probably did it. That's yeah. fucking cool though. I got to listen. Honestly, I never yeah, heard you got to check it out. Dude. It's cool. It's so fucking cool. What's Um another one too. I don't know if you guys are really into like Blind Melon, but Soup. I, I, I fuck with Soup Blind is Melon. excellent, dude. Soup, you guys got to check that out cuz they only got two albums out, huh? You're in uh I know oh, you I don't want to say names. Yeah, I know uh uh, Tall, skinny territory. Delaware. Blue hair, glasses style. from The Simpsons. Wait, what? Blue hair, glasses, yes. Simpsons. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That He's another one. Here's the problem, off. dude. I have nothing in the sake of like comparison for him, but I was listening to their Woodstock performance and just how fucked up Shannon Hoon was, but how great his performance was. Yeah. So I actually went and listened to the site title outside of fucking No Rain and, you know, listen to like changes and everything else that's on there that's all for it. And yeah. listen to Soup. And I didn't realize, obviously, they only had two albums. I thought there was at least one more. But, dude, Soup is a really good album. Like, I like he, No Rain. I just think he was a fucking idiot. Who? Shannon Hoon? Yeah. I See, I like Shannon Hoon. He was kind of one of those, like, really existential, like, totally out there type, you know. He he worked for Blind Melon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I just never connected with him. I yeah. never had that connection. Which is interesting, because if you watch some of his interviews, like, mm-hmm. you'll kind of get the same, like, every 90s, like, honest musician vibe. I'm not going to say full on, like, Kurt Cobain, because I'm not yeah. going to put anybody in comparison to them, because it'll just be a letdown for you. 
But you do get like that real like sense that he's not trying to just put out fucking hits and be a face of like a nineties genre and he just wanted to play music. He's like if uh He's like Macaulay Culkin of music. Yeah. He's like if like fucking there was like a blonde character in Days to Confuse that like graduated high school and then just like did acid all the time. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's who we put he's like almost um I don't want to say. He's kind of Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I was going to say that, confused. but Matthew McConaughey's <laughs> a little more like mm. desperate. I don't in know. That Shannon movie. Hoon like pissed on like people's fa- like sixteen year old girls' faces. Oh. It's cancelable. I feel like. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> mm. Connor, Whitten, Connor Whitten manages to find a pedo clause in every artist I bring up. David Bowie, no. Jimmy Page, got, no dude. way. Shannon Hoon, fuck dude, the pedo. That's files. not just finding anything, files. dude. He whipped out his dick in a public forum and fucking. I know, on and the it's front, like I'm right, trying to see. I, like, I I don't know, dude. I when his a lot song of, had like a little girl in like a bee fucking costume, like there's probably like little girls that liked that song because of the video and went to the fucking concert. Yeah. Like, I know he was in deep shit for that because there was something like that. Like, I don't know, man. Like, have, have like, a little bit of, like, not being a complete, like, shithead, you know? Yeah. That's that's my thing. Have have just a little bit. Don't don't piss on the front row. So no GG. Like, Jim, Jim Morrison whipped his dick out, but it was, like, the doors in the 60s, there wasn't going to be kids at that. That's a little different. I don't know about that. I don't know, man. I don't think the doors were showing up to, or the the like eight year olds were showing up for the doors and fifteen year olds probably were. Sixties, yeah. mm. it was probably a lot easier to get into a concert. I get, yeah, I guess age purpose wise, there was no I'm, more. There I'm was no really twenty one as... or over bars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you were going to the fucking Rainbow in California, seeing Guns and Roses. If it didn't matter, especially in the sixties. I feel like in the sixties, with censorship laws, you probably had to be eighteen to get in. Well, I think the concert. censorship laws, though, you got to figure they weren't really prepared for a lot of the things that were coming out. Going, well, he had forward. already done the Ed Sullivan thing. That was a mistake, though. No, you're talking about when he said... Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, he said it was a mistake, but, like, there was probably people that knew, like, he didn't really give a fuck about the censors and wasn't concerned about it. I don't know. I mean, he was a very reserved gentleman, if you read about him. He wasn't as fucking (laughs) outlandish as uh, Oliver Stone. Wasn't he a dog kicker as well? I can't confirm that he was a dog kicker. Didn't he kick his girlfriend's dog? No, I don't handle it. Wasn't that even in the movie? Yeah, but that's not... Don't I don't t- know, man. Take that movie with a grain of salt. I'm telling you. You think Oliver Stone would add that? I don't know. Oliver Stone's pretty credible. They added a lot Maybe. in there, though. That was a little... Uh, I don't think he would add something like that if it wasn't true. I don't know why we're getting into huge talk here about this. Yeah, I don't know. Totally stretched but- this. <laughs> Way stretched. I don't know. I'd say we kind of gen- boil this down to a general consensus of albums. What we find was a great final album for an artist and what we found is a disappointment. Probably, well, my favorite final album is going to, well, it all depends on which way you think about it. Do you feel like Alice in Chains Unplugged is no. their final album? Because that no, I really consider was the last thing they Just the same thing with Renegades. Like, okay. you got just yeah. any original so, work studio. Alice self-titled. Is my it's favorite. A final it's a I'm sorry you didn't bring that up. That's I was gonna bring. Well, because I don't want to bring up ones that people are like, oh, well, here's Bill again with his fucking Alice in Chains or his Van Halen. Yeah, but that's I an mean, awesome camaraderie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we have some camaraderie with the Alice in Chains camps. Yeah, so, yes, and that's the, a great album. Alice in Chains self-titled. Oh, I forgot I got that white. That white one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we gotta look that up. What's oh, up with what, that the, album the cover? One? Yeah. 
Yeah, dude, it sucks because I just, like I was talking about earlier, I think before we were taping, I uploaded, started uploading my shit on the Discog so I could flip through my collection on, on the app. And um, my Alice in Chains self-title is scratched as hell, but it's like the OG original green <laughs> and purple one. Oh, like, damn. Uh, damn. <laughs> like, I mean, it probably still plays, but it's like right on the edge. So we're all in approval, though? Oh, yeah. Thumbs mm-hmm. up That's all a around. Star. Okay. Yeah. Now, what's your uh, negative? Balance, Van Halen mm. with Sammy Hagar. Mm. That was the album that had "Can't Stop Loving You" on it, and uh, "Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do." And um, there was obviously like major shit going on in the band at that point in time. Like their original manager had died, and a new manager came in, and like his words to Sammy Hagar was, "Eddie wants his band back." And Sammy's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, because I've ran this band since 1986, and Dave ran this band since fucking 1974, so what do you mean Eddie wants his band back? That apparently, by all all accounts that I've heard, like, Eddie Van Halen just turned into a total fucking cocksucker to him, and that's why they broke up. I've heard from a lot of people that Eddie Van Halen was, like, not exactly a pleasure to be around. But then you hear, like, the Jerry Cantrell story. Like, they opened up for Van Halen for six months in, like, 1993 or four, and Eddie fucking sent Jerry Cantrell two full stacks and fucking two, like, $3,000 guitars. He probably liked Alice in Chains. Probably. Like, his his words to Jerry was, when you're, when you're first starting out, no one wants to give you shit, but once you become successful, everyone wants to give you free shit, even though you can afford it. So I'm going to do this for you. And dude, he gave him a bunch of fucking, he gave him two full stacks and two Ernie Ball Music Man guitars. And he played those guitars. Too. He still, he does still to this day. Yeah. On the last tour, he played the gold top one. But yeah, so. I wonder if they talk regularly. By the way Jerry made it seem is that they do. Like they're like friends. So. Who knows? Eddie needs friends too. Eddie needs friends. But um yeah, so Definitely. balance is my negative. Negative. Fair. I just don't feel like it can hold up to the rest of the Van Halen discography. Agree. I'll go in utero best, gigaton worst. Currently Pearl Jam's last album is Gigaton. Yeah, that album yeah. is uh pretty That's bad. Pretty yeah, fucking terrible. Alright, so I guess for mine I would go in utero as my favorite last album and Gigaton, which is currently Pearl Jam's last album, is my least favorite last album. I can agree with that. Gigaton. I can agree with both. In utero is great and Gigaton by what I've heard so far. I I I haven't listened to the whole thing. The front side gives you a a, a small bit of hope. Dance of the Clairvoyance was all right. That's what I'm saying. Like that was the first one I heard and I was like, There's like a small bit of hope. It was no like even worldwide suicide. Exactly. Dance of the Clairvoyance made me feel like, holy shit, Pearl Jam's taking like a talking heads turn. It's actually sounding pretty decent. And the first half of the album kind of gives you that vibe. And Something happens. It just turns into once it hits generic. that B side. I don't know what the fuck exactly happens, but the album just turns total trash. It's complete. I heard that Wolf garbage. Blood Moon Super Moon. Wolf. Yeah, Wolf Blood Super Moon. Yeah, it's only that. I, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah, 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 all garbage. It's 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 almost ink. Like if you were, you guys talk about like if you were around in the nineties and like fucking the black album came out, it would have smacked you in the face. This is the Gigaton was fucking worse than the black album. Like in terms of. Uh, turns for the worst. Yeah, but I think the Black Album is better than that. Oh, yeah. But course. it's the same type of like disrespect. 
oh, expected yes. a lot it, more out of you, Pearl Jam. Well, it's like even from Lightning Bolt, yeah. the guitar was like a major drop off. And that's saying something. And Lightning <laughs> Bolt was like a three three out of five star album, like sixty percent. Like So the my best, I'm just gonna go obvious just because I mean it was either them or the doors for just my favorite discography before obviously Jim died, but Death, Sound of Perseverance is just because it's a every album in there is so flawless and for them to have that many albums in a full length discography yeah. and still top it off with an album that's just as good as any of the others it's impressive and with one of the best covers of one all of time the be- seriously probably the best cover of all time that painkiller cover is unbelievable it's fucking everybody, insane yeah, everybody I know that even has some influence to death as well as Judas Priest obviously yeah. at that point will say that like I mean even Connor's not a huge death metal fan but he loves that cover as that's well. the thing you don't have to be a death metal fan or even a metal fan this is such to realize how good of a cover fucking painkiller is. Yeah, Yeah. painkiller is different. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. My worst, though, and we're going to stick kind of like the 90s alternative since we all kind of had an album in there. Yeah. 2010, self-titled Stone Temple Pilots, last album with Scott Weiland. Before 2018, they released an album called Stone Temple Pilots. No good? No good. I wasn't a fan. Mm. No good. I remember this Between the Lines song was half decent. The the album album was not good. Yeah, Yeah. it just wasn't good. But I think that's like another one of those bands where Scott was putting out his best shit when he was kind of going through shit. I mean, Core, Purple. Purple. I mean, even... I mean, tiny, what is it? Music. Tiny, tiny music. music. Yeah, I mean. Songs from the Vatican gift shop. Yeah, but. Yeah, but I feel some... like once that last, like, STP album happened, and then he took that hiatus, and then went yeah, into the Yeah, then 2010 came, and they made the self-title. Yeah. It was just a terrible comeback reunion album, and obviously it's the last one that features him for a full length, and then. And from experience, it was an even worse tour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just never I, uh, crazy about Stone Temple. I heard Pilots. about this tour. <laughs> Connor was personal there. experience. Yeah, yeah. He was, the yeah. band was the good. Band was all right, live. Scott like, was a little. Scott uh, was fucked up, dude. Yeah. I'm actually gonna finally show you one of the videos from the show, and you're gonna Jerry be like, okay, Cantrell that makes came sense. Out and played sex, sex type, type thing, thing. with uh, Stone Temple Pilots. That was dope. fucking tight. That's pretty yeah. dope. Like I remember when that happened. That was the MMR was like, right? Allison Chains played last, right? Stone Temple Pilots headline, damn. Yeah. Which was an even bigger kick in the nuts because stupid. Scott Weiland sucked. Well, and Allison Chains were bigger. Like uh, they were touring on Black well, as Way to Blue, but I think they just reunited. Stone Temple Pilots did that. Core, Core and Purple actually sold more than any Allison Chains albums, but Allison Chains had more number one albums. Allison Chains is a more beloved band. Allison Chains, yeah, they are. Um, Allison Chains are the only were, were the first band in history to have a number one EP. Really? And I think it's the best selling EP of all time too. Sap? No, uh, Jar of Flies. Oh, Jar of Flies. Mm. Hmm. But yeah, I can I can agree with those. I, actually, I can agree with everyone that we all yeah, just they said. were all pretty much on point. What do you think? Do you feel like balance really was good, and I'm just overlooking it? Do you feel like Sound of Perseverance isn't Death's last album because it should have been a Control Tonight album? Or do you feel that Gigaton is a strong comeback for Eddie Vedder and the gang? Uh, (laughs) I don't even want to entertain those people. (laughs) (laughs) If you answered yes to any of these questions, then we want to talk to you. You can find us on our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast or Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. But let's get into our 
final suggestions for this week. This week, my suggestion is to check out I Am The Man from the 1987 EP I Am The Man from Anthrax. Now, we've talked about once or twice about artists kind of going out of their comfort zone and shit. This is like the epitome of like what happens when <laughs> artists step out of their comfort zone. And not for nothing, I think it's a pretty fucking good standout rap song. Honestly, I do. I f- it's got like a Beastie Boys like public enemy type say, feel. But Anthrax always had that vibe to them. Yeah, I mean they were always kind of lean in that direction, even with I mean, I want to say up till fucking State of Euphoria, and then everything yeah. after that, they kind of like were progressing into that suicidal tendencies, kind of like breakdown thrash as opposed to traditional. But I and the man, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, like that's undeniable. Like yeah. how good of a fucking track that is. Yeah. And we're anthrax and we take no shit. Like, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Steal your runs like I stole your socks. <laughs> Yo, what's the matter with you? That fucking song is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dope. So check out I and the Man by Anthrax. Uh, I got um, Nine Inch Nails second release, the EP Broken from 92. Nice. Um, nice. I'll take Wish as my standout track. Um, that's my favorite Nine Inch Nails release. I'll take that over uh, Pretty Hate Machine or uh, Downward Spiral. Really? Yeah. Wish or uh, Broken is just, uh, it's for me, it's start to finish enjoyable. Nice. That, like it's shorter. It's an EP, but I don't. There's songs on Pretty Hate Machine and Downward Spiral that I could live without. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, once again, they're they're another band that doesn't have a pure discography. Yeah, like I'm not even like the biggest Nine Inch Nails fan, but I do like I do like the first three. Like yeah. Pretty Hate Machine, Broken, and Downward, Downward Spiral. Spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Broken's my favorite, yeah. However, Trent does have an undeniable um filmography type background. Or I'm trying to think of the right word here. He does have an extensive filmography like career. Mm. He's a part owner at Beats too. Is he? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Fun fact about Trent Reznor. I think sorry, Beats was Jimmy Iovine, Trent Reznor, and Dre. Dre. Yep. Mm, continue. Fun, Fun fact. fact about Trent Reznor. There's a song off of Opiate by Tool. It's called Cold and Ugly. It's the only time you ever hear it. In the very beginning, Maynard says, somebody get that Bob motherfuck- Bob Marley wannabe motherfucker out of here. He's talking about Trent Reznor in the crowd. What? There's actually a photo of it, of that show. Why? What do you mean? He was fucking around. Uh, he was standing in the front of the stage, and then Maynard, before the song, was like, someone throw that Bob Marley wannabe motherfucker out <laughs> of here, and then they start the song. It's That's a live funny. show. I guess he was being sarcastic. Yes, he was being sarcastic. Yeah, I can definitely see- I can't see... understand why someone would think that Trent Reznor looks like Bob Marley. I guess at the time, he had dreads. Oh, oh, yeah, he did have those he short... Did? He, yeah, he, Trent Reznor had dreads in the 90s, hmm. early yeah, 90s. Yeah, and this EP was released in, like, the little record in the late 80s. Yeah. Like, 89, 88. I feel like Trent Reznor and Bob Marley wouldn't have really got along. Probably not. Very irrelevant Trent Reznor context, seems like he's, like, real cold. Mm-hmm. Like, watching him do interviews and shit, he looks like a cold motherfucker. Like, unless, like, he's 100% into what you're talking about, he's not interested at all. He's kind of got like a Manchurian candidate vibe. <laughs> but anyway. Um, because I recommended a shit album by them as being a terrible release, I'm going to recommend the 1992 release of called Core 
by Stone Temple mm, Pilots. Nice. Standout track is going to be number five. The song is called Sin. Nice. Our group suggestion for this week, you're going to be happy about this one, Connor, is to check out the series on Hulu, Wu-Tang, and American that Saga. That good as hell. I didn't get to see it yet, but That's I good. saw the trailer for it, and I was like, I got to yeah, get it. Yeah, when you sent this. me the trailer, I was like totally on board with it because I finally uh, managed to get away get from the water twig and find a <laughs> password for the uh, old Hulu up there. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, I saw it, and I was like, I got to recommend this. We got to watch this. Nope. Water and twig plus, would be a good band name. Water twig. That would be a good band name. <laughs> Lodi or Brody could be the, the uh, album. The album, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I figured we'd do a, a series because there's, you know, more than enough time between yeah, the end yeah. of this, the beginning of season three. But um, I'm going to take the time right now to thank everybody that has stuck out from our very humble beginnings in 2019 with our horrible sounding recordings. <laughs> and uh, it's our bad. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, thanks to everyone that had stuck around for so long. Like, and, apologize uh, to Warner Brothers as well. Yeah. We'll definitely cut the bullshit for you. And it's just like, yo, sure. they fucking, <laughs> they're getting on us about that shit. But does anyone remember the season one intro? Yeah, it was like way. The season one intro was like way worse. Like, oh, we yeah. had the Beatles. We had Miley yeah. Cyrus. Yeah. I'm a negative Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised fucking Geffen or something didn't try to copyright us for that. It's Warner Bros, bro. It's crazy. Fucking asshole. Dipping into the poor man's <laughs> pocket. But um yeah, I like I said, I want to thank everyone for listening. This is uh this is something really cool, something near and dear to our hearts. And to see, you know, everyone that listens, we can't be uh we can't thank you guys enough. But uh you can find us on our social medias, Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast, uh Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. Our website, ratmpodcast.wixsite.com slash ratmpodcast. And as always, our email is open at ratmpodcast.gmail.com. As you can tell, we refuse to apply for a GoDaddy tag name for our website. <laughs> we're only like, we're at the end of season two here. We're only like 55 episodes behind uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, fucking, um, we're getting there. Going for syndication. I really hope that Bill threshold. doesn't check out though for our last season, like Larry David did, and we got to kind of finish it on our own. <laughs> I don't think we have the chops Jerry did to be able to maintain that level of success. <laughs> it's but, like recorded on like two cassette players. Yeah, dude. <laughs> all our albums are going to sound like a Vargas Vergas recording of all his Burzum albums he recorded while he was in prison. If you straight like tape this, yeah. <laughs> but um. So that's a wrap on season two. This is a wrap for this episode. Once again, thank all you guys for listening. This is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. I'm Bill. I'm Connor. I'm Steve. Have a good summer, guys. We'll catch you back in the fall. Word. Happy Labor Day. <laughs>